You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. And here we are again. Three weeks until Christmas. Can you believe it? I can't wait. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. No, okay. I like Thanksgiving. I do. I yes. love that. No gifts, nothing like that. Just pure having the family around you, having fabulous time. But Christmas, it's just something so magical about it. I like the whole season. It sort of starts with Halloween. When Halloween hits, that's when all the excitement for me happens. Because you have Halloween, the countdown to Thanksgiving, the countdown to Christmas, Hanukkah, and then New Year's. And then January, my birthday's end of January, so usually I had, you know, when you're younger. Now, I don't really care. But as you, you know, and then it would be end of January, and then come February, there's a little Valentine's Day, and then March, forget it. I was the most depressed person in March. Was it? But March is spring. March is my daughter's birthday, so that's awesome. And it's spring, the 21st. That's right. So, um, yeah, I think March is the best month. See, now I've got something to look forward to. Yeah, because I don't like January, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I won't take offense, but small. Hi, everybody. Hello. Um, this has been um, a Victoria Stilwell weekend for me because uh, yesterday we uh, were hosting, we emceed the Rain Dog Parade at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens again for the fourth year. And uh, oh, how much fun was that yesterday? Beautiful day. It was. It was so warm, and it's freaky that in December, (laughs) it was about, really, it just, it is. It was cloudy, but it was still beautifully warm. And, of course, I love it, but now I'm worried about everything's melting, and we're going to be washed away, and climate change. Right, well, we can't really do anything about that, but... I know, I know. Yes, we can do a lot about that. Um, yeah, you know, it is, but you know, you're in the South and it's different because, but it is warm all year round. I grew up in Chicago. So for me, if it's not, you know, 15 below with the wind chill, it's not winter. So That's the a- coldest I've ever been when I was in Chicago mm-hmm. over Christmas and New Year's one year. It was 2000. Oh, yeah. And so I went to the mayor's New Year's Eve celebration oh. for the millennium. Yeah. And that was the most incredible fireworks display I've ever seen in my whole whole life. Mm-hmm. But it was the coldest I've ever <laughs> been in my life, too. A See, Chicago winter. You, you have to, if you lived up there and those in Chicago know, there's tricks to the trade. So, you know, let, so next time we'll all go together and I'll show you how you stay warm. Okay. It has to do with electric-powered undergarments. Anyway, um, but it was a great event yesterday. First of all, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens are amazing. And the weird thing is you talk about climate change and it's really kind of sad and, and a little bizarre. Things are blooming. I mean, we walked by yesterday a tree that was actually blooming. I don't know if it was what kind of was a dogwood, a cherry, but it should not have been blooming. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, but it was beautiful. There are roses out, but there are winter roses. So, right. um, And there are also winter pansies as well, and they're blooming as well. But I know what you mean. And there were lots of gnats around as well, yeah. which normally doesn't happen in the wintertime as well. Right. So we were trying to kind of brush those away from our faces as we were emceeing. Anyway, Holly and I were emceeing <laughs> the Rain Dog Parade. It was, I think, they've had it for five years. We have been part of the Rain Dog Parade for the last three years. And it was the largest one that they've ever had. I think they had around 175 dogs. At least. And 
more than that, in fact. Because you could show up and just sort of show you, you know, the show off category where you didn't pre-register. Actually, I've been doing it four years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the, remember the very first year, there maybe were 20, 25 dogs in it. And now look, maybe tw- in all the categories. And the people that come out are the nicest, coolest people ever. And these dogs are amazing. They judge them in best puppy, best pack, best adult dog, best botanical. And then we had best in show. And um, quite the experience for me. Yes, Holly cried a couple of times. <laughs> now, not that I have a hard heart. It's just that you got the old, the, the really right. emotional ones. <clears throat> you could pull Some it of the older dogs. But then there was one dog in particular that I think totally took our hearts and actually won best in show. Yeah, it was um, Siska. So at first I started going my waterworks. It was a 14-year-old lab who was in best adult. And this dog, it took her so long to get up to the stage and walk across. And I had a a lab till uh, 14 and a half. And so that just kind of got me going. And I think I must be hormonal. But Siska was this beautiful, almost like a Malamute, I guess, mix. It was a bigger dog. And um, when they went up, they give us little note cards to talk about. And they said to us, this is Siska's bucket list. She's always wanted to do this. And she only has two weeks to live. And the dog walked across the stage. And I thought, the dog seems totally fine. What, what's going on? You know, and they were going to have to let her go in two weeks. And it turns out she has cancer. And um, the, the vet said it was just going to get, the, the, you know, the woman said the vet said it was just going to get uncomfortable. So bless her heart for having to do this. But, oh, my God, I could not stop crying. I had to give my card to Victoria to read. I couldn't do it. But she got best in show. And one of the judges, Kathleen, such a warm, generous heart that she offered to pay for um, photography, a sit-down portrait with the family and Siska before she goes. But, you know, the best in show award was... Anyway, a beautiful portrait and sit-down photography session with Parker Smith Photography. Parker Smith is the guy that's done a lot of my pictures, but also he's done the the photo on the front cover of my new book, Train Your Dog Positively. So now she's got two portraits to take. Yes, and I I, what. I know that was a lovely thing for her to do. And I also think it was great for Parker Smith to donate a photographic session as well. Wow. He's such a great photographer of people and of pets. But I was, uh, yeah, I was very much moved by this beautiful old dog and we all knew. And of course, these are the kind of stories that we're having. So it's not, yes, it's dressing your dogs up. And everybody who knows me knows that I don't like people dressing your dogs up. But it's fine for occasions. One day for a couple of hours. Yes, if that, yeah. it really is. So um, here, here was, was a, oh, do you want to carry on? Oh, yeah, I just it? wanted to say that um, it was really cool that the um, pack was um, that choo-choo train. And I, I hope we can get some photos. We'll get some photos in and show that these two guys showed up in uh, overalls. They were their um, owners. And the two greyhounds, they were rescues, were in trains. And all I could think about is I hope those judges, because those poor men showing up in public in overalls was enough to win anything but you know there was one dog that we weren't um we couldn't remember what was the name of it i that i didn't know what it was Ulki. It, it's a stani house a uh, stani hund or something Some, yeah Stanis hund. it was the most beautiful dog it almost looked like a border collie it's from, Nether- from the netherlands and i'd never heard of that dog or before. was it stans hund 
If anybody has a Stan's hund or Stanis hund, then let us know. Yes, please email us. It's a breed that I've really never heard about. Go to positively.com slash podcast and email because um, I'd love to know more about that breed. It was a beautiful dog. Anyway, now I'm finished. It was a great event. I just have to say, I'm, I'm, my dog is right here at my feet. Sadie comes to the studio with us <laughs> and she has just ripped <laughs> a big one. So I'm about to pass out. Good from excuse. This, uh, Good excuse. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so promise me. Let's always blame the dog. Promise me. <laughs> Um, I know it's exhausting. We're all about to pass out here. Um, Look, it was a great event. But unfortunately, to begin with, it started not in the best way. I was walking. It was a huge line to get into the gardens. Everybody with their dogs, everybody happy, excited. And I came up there and I wanted just to check in with the organizers before I went to the place to MC with you. And before I did, there was um, a woman standing in line and her dog was cowering, shaking, terrified. It was a big dog too, right? It was a big dog. It was a pit mix. And I looked at it and I was like, oh no, this dog shouldn't probably be here because it's so terrified then. I saw a remote control in her hand Mm. and I saw there was a shock collar around the dog's neck. And then in fact, two other dogs that she had with her also had shock collars around the neck. And in fact, she was pressing this remote (gasps) control. And I don't know whether it's because the dog was annoying her or the dog was scared. So she got annoyed and she was pressing it even more, but the dog was cowering trying to get away. It was awful. And I had my daughter with me. My daughter saw it too. And, Of course, I had to go up to her and I said, and I wasn't unpleasant to her at all. I just said, look, your dog is terrified. I can show you a way that you're going to be able to control all your three dogs without having to use these shock collars. Just, just, just give me a chance. Let me, let me help you. First of all, she was very reticent. And then she said, oh, 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 okay. Now, when I came back through the line to go to, to the place to, to start the whole thing, the line was about, I don't know, gosh, another half an hour before everybody got in. I saw her talking to somebody else, and I think she left and didn't bring her dogs into the garden. But my daughter, I mean, I was distressed to see that my daughter was also distressed. So as soon as we got to the place where the rain dog parade was going to take place, my daughter got out a pad and pen that I had for her. And I didn't know this, but she started writing. And she wrote something, and it was so poignant, I put it up on Facebook. Well, Mm -hmm. now that's had about, already, about 35,000 views. Mm -hmm. And it's going total viral. Good. Um, So (laughs) she's just here, and I got her to to come to the studio to read exactly what she wrote in her note. Great. And this is it. So, um, Alex, take it away. Everyone, please listen. Never put a shock collar, prong collar, or pinch collar on your dog. There are better collars for your dog to wear. This is what shock collars do do to your dog. Scare them. Please use a normal collar on your dog. Imagine you getting a shock on your neck. You would not like that, would you? That's what dogs feel like. Animals have feelings just as you and I do. Your pet shows you compassion, so return that action by never putting a bad collar on your dog. My mom can help you if you have a shock collar. P.S. Please don't put a shock collar on your scared dog. Thank you, Alex. Very nice. That was See, that you're was so great. much smarter than that woman who owned those three dogs. You're so much smarter than her. Was it? What was it like seeing it? It was really... I was about to cry. Mm. Yeah. It was difficult, wasn't it, seeing that? Mm-hmm. 
But you know what I think is so great um, about the way you write? It's from your heart. You write how you feel. And I think, you know, I, I had a conversation with Alex this morning and told her, do you realize that your words have had a profound effect on people all over the world now? Because we posted that on Facebook. And because I have such great fans out there. And now it's going all around the world. So uh, how powerful can children be mm-hmm. with their message? How old are you, Alex, now? Eight. Eight. What grade are you in? Third. C. So all of your friends and people the same age as you and like you, would you tell them to do the same thing if they feel passionately about something? Yes. What advice would you give them? I would give them, I don't know. <laughs> would you tell them to write it too if they felt like it or talk yes. about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to communicate. And I just thought it was great for her. And now, you know, she, she we want to develop a website for her so that she and other children can talk about you know what it means to be compassionate towards animals and um they did a great assembly at school about compassion towards mm-hmm. people and towards animals and um my husband and i helped with that and so you know these kids can change the world they uh, can change the world well they will because they will be the future they will be the decision makers and they will be the ones who decide whether or not shock shock collars and prong collars and things like that become illegal uh you know if we can't do it which we should be trying it's going to be up to them to do it, to carry it on, right? Yes. I got it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. I hope I can grow up to be just like you, as good as you. Isn't it great? Uh, yeah, and so I was impressed by that. And look, there's such a debate out there. I, I know we're not going to debate it now. I don't want to debate it now. Mm-mm. But I just believe those people who use shot collars are just not skilled trainers. It's it, it takes a lot of skill, and it takes a lot of skill to really teach a dog doesn't matter what breed, doesn't matter what kind of drive your dog has, even dogs of high drive, doesn't matter if it's aggression or not. It takes a lot of skill to teach dogs, especially with severe behavioral issues, without the use of force. But you can do it. And I just think these shot collars are lazy training. That's Mm -hmm. all it is. And, you know, you're not teaching the dog anything except potentially to fear. You're actually just suppressing behavior. You're not changing behavior. That's my big bus. So big bug with it so so these trainers that use them are just not skilled they might say oh we're very skilled trainers we're very skilled at using shock we use it correctly but i don't see that there's any place for a device that can has the potential to cause such immense harm in in training animals at all no you're right you know what here's the deal i think that if you want to use a shock collar then you should have to wear it for a year first and that anytime anybody doesn't like what you do or say they can shock you See how you feel for a year, and if you don't change your mind, then there's something wrong with you. But you ask these people who have shock collars on their dogs, put it around your neck, and they won't. Or if they have kids, sometimes I say, which a lot of people don't like me saying, hey, well, would you use a shock collar on your child? Oh, no, of course not. But why are you using it on your dog? Well, your dog's different. No, it's not. It feels pain in the same way as you do, as the same central nervous system. It feels emotion, very, very similar to how you do. Come on, guys. Let's come out of the dark dark ages. We're using the future. Positively is all about the future of dog training. That's what it's all about. And we need to come out of the dark ages and come to the future. And not just for those people who are really passionate dog advocates out there, for the general public that, that 
you know, this isn't part of their lives. This isn't a passion of theirs. They have a dog, but it, it, they don't know. They don't get it. They don't understand. And so we need to reach people like that, which I think is vitally important. I would agree 100%. And you know what? I think that if, uh, if it takes somebody's dog to really be hurt by this or to react in a negative way, at what point do you go too far? You know, you're going to wait until somebody's dog dies from it because they misused it or used it too much. Are you going to wait until somebody's dog doesn't have the shot collar on and attacks because it's so frustrated and in fear? What's it going to take? Is is one one accident, one injury, whether it's an, an animal or a child, is one too much? If you feel that's too much, then why? Why do you use it? But Holly, unfortunately, you. it happens all the time. Dogs are aggressing because they have shock collars on them. They are aggressing because the invisible fence gives them a shock, and then they aggress towards their family members. They, it, it's happening all the time. Burn marks are appearing on dogs' necks because they're being shocked all the time. They're, they're becoming extremely behaviorally compromised because of this. We've got to stop it. I am so pleased with Wales because Wales, which is obviously part of the United Kingdom, has banned shock collars. And I think that one day the whole of Britain needs to ban them. And I think the United States needs to ban them too. I agree with you 100%. Well, let's let's make it happen. Let's let's do it. And um wanted to ask you uh, about Noah's Ark because I saw some other great pictures we were talking about the shot collar and you putting this up on uh, on your Facebook page and I also saw on your Facebook page and and your Twitter um you know asking what animal is this? What animal was that? It was a wolf. No way. Yes. Now, oh, I went down um, huge. a friend of mine is Peter Emily and he's the the grandfather of Although he's Italian, so he says he's the godfather. But he's the <laughs> grandfather of the uh, veterinary dentistry mm-hmm. in the world. He, he is the guy that said, look, these animals' mouths are important. You know, the animals' mouths is really the most important part of the animal's body because it's mm-hmm. their defensive tool. It's the way they eat. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be kept. You know, your, your teeth, of, teeth are, are going to help or impede your survival. Mm-hmm. So he goes around the world teaching veterinarians to be dentists and or veterinary dentists. And he set up the Peter Emily International Veterinary Dental Foundation. And they provide advanced veterinary dental services for the benefit of captive exotic animals located in facilities in the U.S. and abroad through an increase of provision of advanced veterinary dental services and veterinary dental education. So he teaches vet veterinarians and veterinary dentists how to do dentistry on exotics and he doesn't advocate really animals being in zoos and things like that but understands there are loads of animals out there in sanctuaries because there's a huge exotic uh, trade pet trade in this or animal Mm -hmm. trade in this country and there are lots of sanctuaries like Noah's Ark that takes these animals away from abusive situations from um, circuses from places where these animals are uh, confiscated because they're illegal and so they give them somewhere to go Noah's Ark is a fabulous place and so the Peter Emily Foundation they were there operating on or doing dental work on some of the wild animals that were there at the sanctuary so they were operating on uh, wolves and on various monkeys a baboon they were going to do a tiger so I got to spend a couple of days with them and I also got to have a tour of the Noah's Ark which Mm. is just the wildlife sanctuary is just an amazing place full of exotics and wildlife and domestic animals as well That, that really is a sanctuary I don't like wild animals being in zoos or anything but as long as the habitat is big and it's open and there's lots of interactive stuff for the for the animals to do and they're not in solitary confinement, I, I love it. There's a great book um, that 
is called Unlikely Friendships. And one of the stories covers some of the animals that are in Noah's Ark Sanctuary. And the most popular, and they're most popular animals, they're Blue, who's the American black bear, who lives with Leo, the African lion, hmm. who lives with Shere Khan, the tiger. And they've lived together as a family at Noah's Ark since 2001. Wow. And they're just there hanging out. So we went and we met them all. There's only a little fence. You know, we were given a tour so we could kind of go where other people aren't allowed to go. And we, f we saw them being fed and it was amazing. And we had the kids with us. So that, that was a great experience for them. Too. And it was also a great experience for the kids to see veterinary dentistry being done on a baboon. Oh, what? well, let me tell you, I have a little um, side note to tell you. So my uh, great uncle, Harold Furfer, was a top oral surgeon in Chicago. And um, years and years and years ago, have I told you the story? No. Um, he w got a phone call, and I guess one of our cousins was the curator of the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. And they had a ginormous silverback who everybody knew, kind of like in Atlanta, there's a silverback, a big silverback that was very famous, and they had done PBS specials about him and, you know, local specials about him, and everybody knew the silverback, and he had an abscessed tooth, and he was miserable, and his face got all swollen, and they had to pull that tooth and some other teeth. They didn't know what to do because... You know, vets are not dentists. So they thought, well, we need to get an oral surgeon. So they called my Uncle Harold, and they documented it for PBS. I'll see if I can find it online. Could and you? Could, you, could we get a link up yeah, to it? I don't know if it's still, because that was years. I mean, we're talking, okay. this was probably in the 80s. Um, but he did, I'm sure we can find it somewhere. I'm going to search the archives. So he did the surgery on the big, famous silverback who has since passed uh, at the Brookfield Zoo, and they documented the whole thing. And that was at the time where nobody, you know, because the same thing, what do you do when you have an animal? The vets aren't trained in dentistry, so they went to an actual oral surgeon. And um, he told us about the experience. It was really neat. So I'll see if I can find it. And I just thought... How weird that we have this connection, that's, right? That's great. And, you know, <laughs> that, that that's such an awesome story, and it's so needed because these animals are in pain. Yeah. They've got abscesses or they're like the one and the tartar. And, and, and effects, if you've got a bad mouth, it's going to affect your whole body too. So really important to keep your dog's teeth clean, please, um, because it is going to affect your, your kidneys and, or your dog's kidneys and all kinds of issues. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want to find out more about the Peter Emily Foundation, please go to PeterEmilyFoundation.org. There is a, actually, they need your help at the moment. Their charity is one of the five finalists in Hesker's Inspiration in Action Contest. They're eligible to win $25,000, money that would greatly benefit them to continue their charitable work. And you can vote once per day until October the 10th, 2012. So please go onto their website. Um, you can click on the voting kitty below in, on their website to go to the Hesker's website so please go and because I, I'm telling you this is so needed and it's so amazing what these guys do and if you are in South Georgia or it's only 45 minutes south of Atlanta go to Noah's Ark noahsark.org we're going to put both links up on our podcast page I've never been I need to go I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down there. Well, let's let's all go together yeah I would love to I'd yeah. love to see it um, now I again at the APDT conference I we were talking about using shock collars and stuff, and a lot of people use them because their pets are so reactive and they get angry, so they shock the dogs into suppression, yada, yada, yada. But when I was at the APDT, I've long been a big fan of a, uh, a great trainer who's based in Seattle called Grisha Stewart. And she has sort of formulated this training method called BAT, Behavior Adjustment Training, which rehabilitates dog reactivity by looking at why the dog is reactive and then helping him or her meet 
the needs in other ways. So it's a sort of dog-friendly application of what they call functional analysis that gives the dogs a chance to learn to control their own comfort level mm -hmm. um, through peaceful means. So it's about empowering your dog in a good way. Now, mm. so much training, that, that's what my training is focused on. I call it choice training. Um, it empowers your dog to make choices. And that's so against what traditional training is all about because traditional training is all about imposing your will upon a dog, getting your dog to do something you want it to do. But with BAT and with other methods like it, this actually allows your dog to control their own comfort level. So I met up with her at the APDT conference and I had a great interview with her and we're going to play it now. Okay, let's listen. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here at the APDT conference with Grisha Stewart, who has developed the Behavior Adjustment Training Program, which is so vital and has been so effective for reactive dogs. Grisha, can you tell our listeners about how you developed this program, why you developed it, and what are the results that you're seeing since it started? Well, I first developed BAT for my own dog. I was doing uh, lots of other kinds of training with him for several years, and I'm a trainer, but I also, it's so it's extra embarrassing to have a dog that's reactive and, and you can't, you know, walk up to your clients because your dog is barking at them. So, um, so I basically developed it for him, and then uh, using the techniques that were already out there, making a combination of things that worked best for him. And then I started talking to clients about it, and then other trainers, and it's just kind of like riding a rocket right now. I'm just all over the world in a crazy way um, going and talking to people. So, um, But I found the best part for me is really hearing stories back of people saying that their dog can now do things that they couldn't do before. Can you tell me what it's all about? So for somebody who has absolutely no clue, they have a reactive dog, they want to try back, what would you suggest that they do? How do they go about it? And what does it entail? The basic idea of that is that it uses something called a functional reward, which is basically a real-life reward for doing something besides for the reactive behavior. So dogs do bark and lunge and growl or, or whatever it is that they're doing because they're trying to create some space between them and the trigger. So they're basically saying, go away from me, you scare me. Um, or I want to kill you and that will get you away from me forever. And so what we're doing then is using distance as a reinforcer. So um, we do setups, we arrange different um, times where the dogs can encounter another dog or a person or, or whatever from a distance where they can feel comfortable and that allows them to give uh, practice better behavior and then when they do that you mark, you say yes uh, to tell the dog they've done it right and then you walk them away about 15 to 20 feet away. Um, so that's the kind of the overview of it, but it's it's the devil's in the details, and so it's good to watch videos about it. There are YouTube videos on my website, which is functionalrewards.com. Uh, so on that site, you can read about that. You can there's uh, handouts in lots of different languages, and then there's also the YouTube videos, plus the the books and DVDs as well. Have you seen an increase certainly since since you've been a trainer? Have you seen an increase in reactive dogs? 
because I think and what I'm hearing from a lot of trainers in my own experience is that we are seeing an increase in reactivity and why is that? I, so there's several reasons I think that we're seeing more, and I, I do agree that there's more uh, out there. And I think one reason is we have higher expectations on what dogs can do. We restrict them more. We have uh, kind of a bigger definition of what reactive even means. If the dog acts like a dog, sometimes we people would think it's reactive, but really they're just you know, giving a, a bit of communication to another dog. But I also think that the techniques that are out there um, that are more forceful, um, where people are confronting their dogs and are pinning them to the ground, um, those types of methods, I think, are causing more issues uh, with the dogs as well. And then the other thing I would say is it's the collision of those two things where we have higher expectations um, combined with this traditional old school kind of training. So that kind of training existed before, but it was only used in more severe cases, um, or kind of, uh, at least, uh, yeah, anyway, in kind of in more severe cases. I think we may have said. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you, and I think it's uh, a tragedy in this country and all around the world actually where those dominance um, dominance training is used, I call it dominance compulsion, punitive training methods are used because it so goes against what dogs actually need in order to be successful but it's made to look sexy, it's made to look successful, it's made to look like it's a quick fix and of course in our society we want stuff as quickly to, to happen as quickly as possible. Plus it also serves a need I think for people to think that their dogs are getting better because when you're living, you're working, you, you, you have a pet dog that is potentially dangerous towards other dogs or other humans, you want that issue solved and fixed as quickly as possible um, and the idea that compulsion punitive training is that quick fix has kind of pervaded into the public consciousness which I think is so sad because it couldn't be further from the truth what people don't realize is that when you're suppressing behavior in that kind of punitive dominant way you're suppressing behavior you're not changing behavior and I think what I love about that is you're actually working to change behavior but here's the thing there's a lot of people that say takes too long can't deal with it takes too long what do you say to those people I would say to those people that um, yes it does take time sometimes it, it can actually be really fast you can do three or four setups with the dog and um, we're back to you know normal dogness um, but sometimes it takes longer and I would say when you have so I have a shoulder injury right now um, I'm a climber I climb rocks and um, I can't there is no quick fix so the quick fix could be you know that I take you know medicine and then keep climbing right and but I will end up injuring myself worse um, and that's the same sort of thing you know physical therapy takes time rerouting the brain takes time um, and and the what we want is something that lasts forever for the rest of the dog's life um, that we've sort of given them this new skill that they can apply that it you know uh, snowballs in on itself um, the quick fix sort of solution of uh, which I hate really even referring to that because it's not fixing anything um, but something that looks like a quick fix of suppressing behavior is a problem because it's you are taking away the dog's communication skills and so the dog looks better but isn't better um, it's sort of like <clears throat> if you have a, a you know a, a phobia of something and you're screaming and someone puts 
duct tape over your mouth, that's a quick fix. You're not screaming anymore, but now you're terrified and can't communicate. Um, and so I think that's even worse than, um, than not training at all. And I think also what the danger of that is, is that one day you will communicate and you will communicate even louder. If you get the chance, you're going to communicate even louder. And it actually causes even more dangerous behavior in certain dogs. Um, but then there are obviously people out there, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. There are also people out there that say, well, yeah, you know, sorry about your shoulder. And of course, that takes time. And people have to go to therapy if they've got an anxiety problem. But we're not talking about people here. We're talking about dogs. Dogs are animals. Dogs are different from people. Okay? They don't have our level of consciousness as we do. Why are we treating dogs like we're treating people? Well, the part of the brain that deals with fear and phobias and, you know, this this sort of behavior is pretty much the same in people and dogs. It's down in uh, the part of the brain that's a, an older part of the brain. So um, we are essentially the same in, in that way. Um, so we respond to the same sort of techniques. Obviously, we have more uh, complicated ways of thinking of things. But really, if you simplify down to, um, you know, to the basics, we really we are the same in that way. Um, we can't sit a dog down and talk to them about their problems, and so that that takes away an avenue of treatment that we can't do. Um, but there's no reason that we need that means that we need to resort resort to force. How much success have you seen with bat training? I I've seen a lot. Um, it's it's kind of amazing the reports that I'm getting back, um, and also just working with my own clients. Um, but speaking of my own dog, when I when I first started working with him, he was he could be about a hundred feet away from people, and about five people in his life had give, had ever touched him. Uh, and we did the bat training with him, and he actually ended up being a therapy dog. And he goes to assisted living facilities and enjoys the petting there, and he just leans in and he really likes it. Um, and so, I mean, there's success all over the place. I've, there are people who do um, that in uh, prison programs where they train dogs, um, and they have fears and phobias in there, and they've worked through their dogs there. And so it just it's really heartwarming to hear um, the progress that the dogs are making. So if people want to know more about you and what you do, um, they go, they'll go to your website, but also will they find information about where you're speaking next? Yes, the, the Functional Rewards uh, website also has the speaking schedule. I'll be speaking in the UK. Um, the one, the, there's a two-day workshop that's full already, but we did open up more space in the... This, um, London has a, a seminar that's two hours, and so we opened up that to, to a double capacity space. So, but I'm, there's lots of different locations that are on my website. So Nate, you're now actually going around the world then, with this with with Bat. Yes. Yeah, I'll be actually off to APDT Australia next week, and then Massachusetts, and then UK, and um, yeah, I just it's going all over the place: Lithuania, um, Finland, all kinds of places. What makes this really exciting is that, you know, that there are people out there now that are, as I call it, spreading love, that we're taking people out of the dark ages and allowing them to see the light, to see how amazing positive training techniques are. And this is a positive training technique. And it's not all happy clappy. It's not about just giving stuffing food in your dog's face. It's about really understanding what your dog needs in order to be successful in this crazy domestic world that they live in with us. And I think people don't understand the amount of pressures that our dogs have to deal with living in this world, but they don't understand. So we have to try as hard as possible 
to try and understand them and to try and communicate with them and try and make it as easy as possible for them to understand what we want from them. I think that really helps do that. And you're working along with the dog. I think that's, I think that is crucial. Um, so people, if you're out there and you have a question about the differences between compulsion training techniques, positive training techniques, and how to deal with reactive dogs. It's not putting them on their sides or alpha rolling them, holding them down, restraining them, choking them, shocking. No, you're gonna get better results from doing techni techniques like the bat technique. Um, I've seen it done, I've done it myself, I've seen it on videos and Grisha's videos, I've seen it on DVDs, I've heard from trainers all around the world who use it. This is a great technique and this is something else you can do with your reactive dog to help your dog cope better with the world around it. Grisha Stewart, I'm sorry I keep on calling you Grisha, but Grisha Stewart, thank you so much for talking to me today. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they, they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. All right, so here is the first question from Cindy. She's in Morris County, New Jersey, and she said she adopted a Maltese Yorkie mix about a year and a half ago. He's constantly biting my Westies mix, my Westie mixes legs. When someone comes to the door and the older, bigger dog barks, the new little guy runs and barks at her and bites her legs. I don't know how to stop this behavior. When I tell him no, the older dog thinks I'm yelling at her. So can you please help me? That's just redirected kind of frustration <laughs> or excitement. And is exactly what my little chihuahua used to do to Sadie. And still sometimes does when they're running together. Mm -hmm. And then Jasmine's got kind of, she's so excited, she's got nowhere to go. So she starts biting mm -hmm. Sadie's leg. And Sadie's just like, oh, get off. Right. Um, that That's exactly what's happening. It's not an aggression issue. It's just... Where does the energy go? Mm -hmm. So the energy, the excitement is going to go, oh, I'm just, I'm going to get at you. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it's redirection. Is there something that you can teach both dogs to do when the doorbell rings? Now, I know that I've talked about this before. My dog, Sadie, she has this really embarrassing <laughs> problem. Well, she has this way She wants of, to greet you like she would she greet does. her dog friends. She does. She sticks her nose in your crotch. <laughs> and she just wants to get a good old sniff, find right. out how you're feeling today, who you are, <laughs> and then she moves on her way. And, of course, you know, we're used to it, but lots of people and who come to my house, they don't want to have that happen. It's acceptable in the dog world, but not in the dog people world. It's really not. So I taught her to go get a toy first. So when she comes to greet people... She gets her toy, and then she greets people with the toy. She's so cute. She always has something in her mouth. Yeah, and it's always a big toy, so she can't stick her nose in there. And that stops the behavior. You give the dog something else to do. I think that she needs to give her dog something else to do, either to teach both of them to get toys, to teach the little one to get toys, when the doorbell rings. Perfect. Yeah. I think you need a tra trainer to come and help you. Um, and we've got a great trainer. This is in Morris County, New Jersey got a great trainer called Kathleen Georgievich. And so if you want to go to positivity.com slash trainers and you can look her up, 
and she'll be able to come and help you. And show you how to, to do that diversion tactic. Yes. Perfect. Okay, this is from Joanne in Houston, Texas, and she said they have a beautiful three-year-old 75-pound champion Gordon Setter. We got him at three months old. We started him in obedience class at four months to socialize him, and he gets along well with most everyone. However, he has started growling at my husband and I when he doesn't like something, and even sometimes when we just try to cuddle with him, he even raises the, raises the nap on his back. We've tried scolding him, making him leave the room, giving him a sit-down a sit or down command, and even ignoring him, but it has not stopped the growling. It's like it's become a habit, and we don't know what to do. We're at our wit's end, and we would really appreciate your guidance. And I know that um, I had a friend who, was a, who had a Gordon Setter who, that Gordon Setter was very reactive. It was a, you know, it, it loved to chase and it loved to sort of snap at, you know, whatever was there and it would go. So I don't know if that's part of the problem. You know, it, there's a lot. There's When people write to me, there's always red flags in what I read. So first of all, he's three years old now. He's a champion Gordon setter. So he's obviously been to obedience classes. He does showing. So he's probably not fixed. And um, they got him when he was three months. We started him. Here's, here's a red flag. We started him in obedience class at four months to socialize him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your window gone. F- f- 16 weeks. You have to socialize before 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he gets on well with most everyone. That has, however, been successful, which is good. Now, with show dogs especially, and I don't know whether they, they are regular, they regularly show him, or he's just from a champion line, so it's not clear. But if they do show him... There's a lot of grooming that goes on. There's mm-hmm. a lot of handling. There's a lot of touching. And some dogs just do not appreciate it. And they say, enough is enough. Back off. And I feel this could potentially be happening in this situation. And so when the dog is being uncomfortable, and it's telling you it's uncomfortable, and then you tell it off, don't you dare feel uncomfortable. What do you think that's going to make the dog do? Mm, right. Feel more uncomfortable. Raise the nap of the hair on the back. And exactly. Growl. And that's just a discomfort thing. That's just a lack of confidence thing. When the hair goes back up on the neck, you know, it's called piloerection. When the hackles go up, the dog is just not confident. But it's okay. telling them, it's communicating with yes, them. Yes, and they are telling him off for communicating to them that he's not comfortable. So they're saying you're not allowed to you're not allowed to be uncomfortable. So how can they make him more comfortable? So what they need to do is first of all whenever this if this has just happened or starts to happen you must always take your dog to the veterinarian because the first thing I would think about is this could potentially be a dog that has some kind of touch sensitivity. Mhm. Either to being handled to be groomed there's some pain somewhere referred pain somewhere. And that the dog was either touched in a place where it had pain and now remembers, even if it doesn't have pain anymore, that where it was touched it was painful and so it doesn't like to be touched just in case that happens again. That could happen. And so you must take the dog for a full medical checkup to make sure the dog's not in pain. Sometimes dogs with allergies mm. can show ag- aggressive behavior because they're so uncomfortable within their own bodies. And if you're not happy with your veterinarian, your veterinarian says, well, this dog's fine, then go get a second opinion. If you got a clean bill of health, then this is a behavioral issue. And I would say you stop touching the dog. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people say, but why? I should be able to, I should be in control. He shouldn't be controlling me. And he is controlling you. He's controlling your access to him because he's saying, please back away. Um, 
But what I do is I do back away. I go, okay, get it. You're trying to communicate something to me. I get it. And I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to tell you off. I'm going to listen to you now. And then gradually, and I've had a lot of dogs that, that this has worked really well with, that the people have just backed away from him, have uh, don't touch him a lot, continue with great training, great cues and doing activities if the, if the dog's got a clean bill of health. And then gradually starts to touch them just a little bit. So each touch, the dog gets a treat. Touch, treat, mm. touch, treat. But it's not clawing. It's not all-encompassing. So you really take pressure off the dog. And the dog begins to see your presence around the dog and your touch as something that is positive rather than something that is negative and needs to be controlled. Um, and I think and I think that... Um, you know, them getting him to leave the room and um, having him settle down on command. He's just getting punished for yeah. his Remember, reaction. you know, obedience, getting him commands. You know, this is all very, mm, I'm going to get right. him to be obedient to me and I'm going to issue my commands. Look, let's just back off him and really try and understand why he's doing that. And get a trainer in to come and help you um, In if you're in Houston, Texas, um, I don't know where you are. I think you said you're yeah, in Houston, Houston. Texas. Um, find a trainer near you in your area. A- and I know we're having a potential VSPDT trainer going to start up st- uh, in Houston very shortly, hopefully. So, so check positively.com slash trainers yeah. and look it up. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you say that in the age. This dog is what? How old now? Three years Three, old. So it's almost, you know, I hate to say it. Isn't that almost sort of like that adolescent state? You know what I mean? Like you have Well, he's past stages. adolescent. He's past adolescence. Adolescence really starts at six months to 18 months of age. So he's really part. He's an adult, fully blown adult now and has been for quite a long time. But um, I also think that if he is going to shows, you need to stop that. Mm-hmm. If you're still showing him, stop it for a while. Just just give him a break because he is trying to communicate something. I wish I was there mm-hmm. because I think I could tell you in two seconds whilst I was actually there what was going on with him. So a good uh, Victoria Stillwell positively dog trainer will um, be able to yes identify yeah, that. Well, we should have, as I said, we should have one there in the new year, hopefully. Okay, perfect. All right, and I just want to let everybody know that um, – Next week, we have uh, one of our favorite guests returning to co-host with us, Paula Bloom, a psychologist extraordinaire. Um, she's going to be joining us to uh, answer some of our questions, not necessarily related to dogs. So if you have something you want to ask Paula Bloom, it could be she's great in relationships. She's great at, you know, self-improvement. Email us at Positively.com slash podcast and uh, email any question for Paula that you might have for her. And if it's dog-related, maybe she could help you with the psyche with Vic helping you with the training. I think it's really important. A lot of the work I do is obviously with people, teaching people to teach their dogs and helping people with their own problems. Right. I'm not a trained psychologist. I, I you know, I don't have any degrees in that. So, so having someone who really understands human behavior in the way that she does, that she she has studied it so much, much more than I have, right. uh, is, I think, really beneficial and important. And also, you know, we're going to be taking this podcast to a whole new level in the new year. Oh, we're we going to have plans. some really great plans, some really exciting stuff. And we want to really delve deep into more and help you, not just with your dogs, but with your own selves, with your own relationships, because it's very much part of who Holly and I are. We are, we have our loves, we have our passions, we have our jobs, but we also, as well as loving animals, we love people too. 
And well, I kind of like dogs better than people. But do you? Mm. No, Holly, you <laughs> like people. You love people. <laughs> and okay. so we'd like to get feedback from you. What do you want to hear on the podcast? What would you like? What sort of service do you need? Give us some suggestions because we're working on a whole new podcast for next year. So let us know what's on your mind, positively.com slash podcast. And just send us an email and say, hey, listen, you know what I think would be really cool? If you have a segment you want us to do, if you want, you know, I don't know if you want Victoria to sing every week, you know, that's good. Oh, please, too. goodness me, don't do that. <laughs> All right, so we will see you next one with the lovely and talented and funny Paula Bloom. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.